Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Gaffney, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. That war is taking place on many fronts. We have myriad adversaries. None is more dangerous, however, and more globally engaged in this war for the free world than is the Chinese Communist Party. A man who understands this threat Intimate has documented it exhaustively and is among the clearest in those warning about the necessity for us to take it seriously and respond appropriately is our first guest. His name is Dr. Bradley Thayer. He is a prominent and very important member of our Committee on the Present Danger China, the author of several books, including How China Sees the World, Han Centrism, and the Balance of Power in International Politics. He is also the co-author of the forthcoming Understanding the China Threat and an essayist of unbelievable productivity, uh, often at The Hill and in other outstanding outlets, including The Epic Times. Bradley Thayer, it is great to have you back. Happy New Year to you, as we've not spoken with you since it began, but um, I'm not sure it's going to be, in part based on the sort of things that you are warning about, but uh, we welcome you just the same. Good to have you. Thank you, Frank, very much indeed for your warm welcome and Happy New Year to you. Let's talk about China. Um, Set the stage for us for a drill down on a number of the things that you've been covering brilliantly, I might add, um, by talking a little bit about the nature of the regime. Uh, This Han centrism that you speak of is is a form of racism that is not generally recognized and is all the more ironic given the endless uh, attacks on us by the Chinese Communist Party and its, well, fellow travelers, shall we say, um, foreign agents and and those who are part of its United Front Work Department influencing us in this country, that we are terrible racists. Talk us through all that, if you would. Absolutely, Frank. That's an excellent uh, question. The argument is that uh, the Chinese see the world uh, in a unique way, and that's one which is uh, centered and heavily informed uh, by Han identity, and that would be that of China's population, approximately 92% uh, are ethnically Han Chinese, uh, what we typically conceive of as as Han. And uh, that ethnic group sees uh, the world uh, in a very hierarchical fashion where the Han ethnic group should be on top. It should be the dominant um, uh, and leading force in international politics. That concern, when coupled with the Chinese Communist Party, uh, makes a bad situation even worse. Uh, So the Chinese Communist Party heavily rely on Han identity to advance their interests in international politics um, and uh, target um, uh, the West, uh, the United States uh, in, in particular. Han identity, uh, because it is so hierarchical, um, is often elides, often uh, flows into uh, racism, a very racialized view of uh, perceiving uh, international politics and people in it uh, with a strict racial hierarchy. And so, as you noted, ironically, uh, the Chinese Communist Party uh, terms the United States uh, a racist uh, entity, a racist state, 
when in fact it's the Han themselves and the Chinese Communist Party uh, who are culpable uh, of, of all of those uh, sins. The United States and the West broadly have remade their societies and established strong cultures of anti-racism uh, through the civil rights movement uh, beginning in the 1960s. It's unthinkable that China would go through a civil rights movement. The Communist Party of China would never allow it. Uh, and so that racialized view uh, is still uh, in place and is vi- unlikely to change. Uh, that uh, offers a tremendous opportunity for the United States to identify that and to capitalize upon it. It's not an accident, Frank, um, given the collapse of Afghanistan, the Western uh, NATO-backed government of Afghanistan, that Afghan refugees sought to flee to Europe and to the United States. They did not seek to flee to China. Uh, And they did not seek to flee to China because they know first how the Chinese treat Muslims, uh, which is atrociously, and as you well know and have documented tirelessly, there is a genocide occurring right now in China against Uyghur, Kazakh, Kyrgyz uh, Muslims. So the Afghan refugees understand that. Secondly, they know that the Chinese treatment of immigrants is is atrocious. So they sought rightfully, uh, it's often said that people vote with their feet. Well, Afghan refugees are voting with their feet to come to the West and to come to the United States uh, because they know that these societies are open societies where they'll be treated far uh, more fairly than they would have any chance of doing uh, in China. So we need to call attention to that. We treat people far more fairly. We're a far better ally for peoples around around the world in contrast to uh, the Chinese regime uh, led by uh, Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party where its interaction with the world is defined by exploitation of people and of the environment. Uh, and so this is the situation. But we need to do a far better job than we have, that is the United States needs to, in calling attention uh, for the world's media to the genocide, but also to Chinese racism than we have thus far, and to recognize and to tout our great strength uh, with respect to how the United States is a free society uh, and it is one uh, where freedoms are shared equally no matter one's uh, uh, background. Very important points uh, to make. Indeed. This sets up nicely um, a question about what China is doing to realize its Han supremacist ambitions, namely to dominate the world, but to remove the impediment to achieving that, meaning us. And as it happens, uh, you've written a piece uh, about the World Trade Organization 20 years after uh, China's entry into it. Um, Roughly the same time, uh, in 1999, the Chinese uh, People's Liberation Army uh, allowed two senior colonels to publish a book entitled Unrestricted Warfare, which, as you know, Brad, 
essentially laid out the doctrine that China has been pursuing, probably before that time, but certainly ever since, of using all instruments of national power against us, short of actual kinetic hostilities, at least to this point. But it was written with a view to doing what they could to take us down before they were strong enough to use military means. And that sets up a very serious conversation, I think, that's much needed. And, and I want to give you a chance to sort of help us kick it off here in 2022 about not only what the Chinese have been doing in that regard, in unrestricted warfare against us, um, but the toll that it has taken on our country. A oh, very significant issue, uh, Frank, as, as you, you rightly identified. Um, the uh, book Unrestricted Warfare uh, crystallizes uh, Chinese thought in terms of vulnerabilities or uh, that the United States possesses that China could exploit. Uh, the Chinese have been at war with us since the Chinese Communist Party came to power in 1949. Uh, and that war has had kinetic aspects, Frank, as you well know, in Korea, uh, in Taiwan Straits crises, uh, as well as in Vietnam, uh, where uh, the uh, Chinese backed the North Vietnamese uh, against uh, the United States. But as you rightly note, uh, most of that war has taken place in a non-kinetic form, diplomatically, ideologically, economically technologically, scientifically, uh, as well as a military uh, component. So this strategy uh, has been in place uh, since Mao was in power and China, the Chinese Communist Party came to power again uh, with uh, the defeat of uh, the nationalists in 1949. We have been slow to recognize that, uh, far too slow uh, to recognize um, what the Chinese have been telling us, which is that they are targeting us uh, with that 1999 book being Unrestricted Warfare, uh, being the most, uh, if you will, serving as a clarion call uh, in terms of uh, what their ambitions are. But we uh, re should recognize that that onslaught has been ongoing and they have been expert at using uh, our own society, as you note, uh, to capitalize and to exploit, um, to profit them. So what does unrestricted warfare mean? It means attacking your enemy uh, through all azimuths. Uh, that means, again, in a financial sector, in an economic sector, uh, through public diplomacy, uh, through the realm of ideas and ideology, as well as diplomatically and in military coercion. So the Chinese have structured themselves because they have been at war with us. They've penetrated Western societies, United States in particular, and they have profited from that. That is in terms of looting, in essence, uh, it's legal looting, but they have, uh, but as well as illegal uh, activities uh, to transfer our intellectual capital, our knowledge, uh, our ability uh, to generate our science and our technology. Um, they have transferred manufacturing with U.S. assistance um, uh, to China, which has allowed them to become the workshop of the world uh, in everything from pharmaceuticals to N95 masks uh, to cars, uh, etc. 
They have also used our financial markets, Frank, and you have called great attention to this as well as uh, other great colleagues like Roger Robinson uh, to call attention to the fact that we're funding them. Uh, That's a form of unrestricted warfare. So we see that the Chinese are expert at this. Uh, They have penetrated our societies and we have been very slow uh, to identify that threat and even to take uh, some measures uh, to uh, uh, to stem that. Uh, it's a great vulnerability that we ourselves have created, um, and uh, that has come at a tremendous cost for us. And it's extremely important that we address that expeditiously and immediately, uh, in terms of uh, cutting off the sources of funding, cutting off the sources of technological transfer building our military presence, conventional as well as nuclear presence uh, in the Indo-Pacific, work with our allies and expand our alliance relationships, explicitly call out to Taiwan. Um, And importantly, Frank, and I'll end on this note, uh, given that there were so many important issues to address, but um, to target the Chinese people, to recognize uh, that uh, the Chinese people are living under the oppression of the Chinese Communist Party, and if they were able to, um, if we were able to get around the Great Firewall uh, and have access uh, to the Chinese people and have the Chinese people have access to a free and open Internet, uh, then we would see the ability of the Chinese people to really undermine the strength of the uh, Chinese Communist Party. So much to do, as you well know, uh, on this issue. We've been tardy. Um, and that has cost us, but it is still not uh, too late to address uh, our vulnerabilities. No, and Brad, that's a wonderful checklist of things that we have to be doing. And I, I'm very heartened to have you lay it out so clearly because um, I hear increasingly from Americans who have, well, for one reason or another, perhaps, uh, as I'm fond of saying, they've been mugged by reality with respect to this Chinese Communist Party virus uh, that has uh, perhaps uh, cost them loved ones, um, uh, afflicted their own um, circumstances uh, financially, if not, uh, you know, in other ways. Um, But they're angry about what the Chinese Communist Party is up to, and they've become more aware of it. I like to think through programs like this and Steve Bannon's and others that are relentlessly trying to bring information like that you've just shared with us uh, to uh, the largest audience possible. And and again, you've done incalculably important work in this week after week after week, uh, Brad Thayer, with your uh, columns and articles and essays in uh, a variety of publications as well as appearances here and elsewhere. What I'm really heartened by, though, uh, particularly, is I just saw today that West Virginia's state treasurer, a gentleman by the name of Riley Moore, has just announced that he is not going to have uh, BlackRock, uh, a gargantuan financial institution that has been investing West Virginia's pension funds, Uh, do that any longer. Uh, In part, I'd like to think in response to um, the Committee on the Present Dangers 
China's uh, Mad as Hell campaign, and certainly efforts by others, uh, consumers research, and uh, I, I think the uh, the growing sentiment in uh, Congress as well that this is ill-advised for us to be investing as we have been, notably with the insistent efforts of uh, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink uh, in communist China. And and say just a, a little bit more, Brad, um, when, it, when we're talking about unrestricted warfare, how material has been the contribution? By some estimates, it's, uh, well, very conservatively, a trillion dollars. Some say it may be as high as seven trillion dollars that has migrated from American capital markets to the Chinese Communist Party, to its corporations, including um, the People's Liberation Army, which controls many of them. Uh, How much do you think the danger that we're now facing is a product of that kind of transfer of wealth and uh, misplaced investment by not so much unwitting American individuals, but those like Larry Fink, who are disposing of their money in very, very dangerous ways. Well, Frank, it's outrageous uh, that, uh, that this is occurring, that we are uh, funding uh, the People's Liberation Army and the Chinese Communist Party, but it's even worse than that. It is the fact that the United States let China uh, into the World Trade Organization, uh, which has uh, been responsible for the tremendous growth of the Chinese economy uh, which has facilitated technological transfer and investment uh, in China and has allowed uh, the Chinese government, which means the CCP, the Communist Party, the Chinese Communist Party, because they are inseparable, uh, into uh, Western businesses, uh, into uh, Western firms, Western universities, um, businesses, and financial markets. So we are responsible for this. We chose to let China into the World Trade Organization and to facilitate uh, investment in it when we knew uh, what the Chinese Communist Party uh, uh, was and the threat that they uh, posed uh, to us. Uh, And so that was a tremendous mistake. The fact that it's ongoing, that BlackRock has this and and others uh, uh, as well, Um, is a symptom of uh, a deeper problem, Frank, that we still have not recognized the threat from the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, We still haven't recognized the genocide which is occurring. We still haven't recognized against Muslims uh, in Xinjiang and oppression of other minorities, including Tibetans, um, that we haven't recognized how our interests are being eroded in international politics. So it is a profoundly significant strategic problem uh, that we need uh, to address. We need to start not just cutting off Larry Fink, but working through uh, the WTO to eject China from it. Uh, to bring well, that's a out. sensational idea. Yeah. And and we're going to run out of time here before we run out of things to talk with you about, uh, Bradley Thayer. Let me, let me just say, one of the things that it seems to me we ought to be doing in that connection uh, the WTO, that is, as well as um, discouraging 
old friends of China like Larry Fink from further enabling this mortal threat to us is to designate the Chinese Communist Party as what it is, which is a transnational criminal organization. And I think a lot of things would flow from that uh, that would be helpful uh, to this effort. But let me just stay with the genocide issue. Um, We're imminently going to see a regime that is engaged, as you say, in genocide on a scale arguably not seen, uh, well, except in communist China's past, uh, since the Holocaust. Concentration camps and uh, you know, mass torture, mass rape, um, mass murder. Yet we are going to watch, unless athletes awaken to the dangers here, dangers to them personally, as well as morally and strategically to our country, uh, we're going to witness the legitimation of the regime that is engaged in that kind of behavior with the huge propaganda windfall of the Winter Games in Beijing next month. We had an interesting teachable moment uh, just in the past 24 hours with the co-owner of the Golden State Warriors, the National Basketball Association League um, franchise out in California, saying that he doesn't care about the Uyghurs, to which uh, an NBA star by the name of Ennis Cantor Freedom has heroically stood up and say, well, would you care if your mother or your sister or your wife were being tortured and gang raped daily. And it's a pregnant question, but I just would ask you, as you look at what's going down here imminently, how much of a strategic mistake is it? And perhaps a a physical danger to our athletes as well, Brad there, for them to go to Beijing and uh, us to be in any way associated with these games. Uh, Frank, that's exactly right. It it was um, that uh, there are opportunities provided states occasionally in international politics to make a moral stand. And this was one of those opportunities. Uh, Bismarck said that God looked after drunks, little children in the United States of America. Uh, and if that's true, then we're certainly taxing his forbearance uh, in terms of our missed opportunities and the actions that we take and don't take uh, in international politics. The United States should not have gone to this uh, to the Olympics uh, in, uh, in in China uh, this year. We should have treated it as we did the Moscow Olympics, Frank, as you well know, in 1980. Uh, where President Carter, in in, an excellent decision of the Carter administration, uh, recognized that it was unacceptable, uh, given Soviet behavior and aggression, uh, for athletes uh, to go. Uh, The Biden administration has chosen not to do that and will allow our athletes to go. There are two major vulnerabilities here, Frank. First, um, the Chinese are going to Uh, aggressively go after their DNA because they want to, um, for their own reasons, they're very aggressive at at, uh, capturing that 
and um, uh, facilitate uh, their uh, biological programs uh, that they have. Uh, the Chinese, it should be noted too, still strongly believe in eugenics, uh, an idea that has been completely discredited in the West, but is still widely believed uh, in China. Secondly, they could be hostages. Uh, we don't know what the activity will be or how these individuals, if they do make a statement about Tibet or about the genocide, um, they could be arrested, they could be evicted, or they could be, um, in fact, held in a de facto sense hostage uh, by the Chinese regime. So there are huge vulnerabilities for athletes going uh, to the Olympics from every country. Uh, and our athletes uh, are vulnerable, sadly, uh, as well. It was a great mistake of the Biden administration to allow this to, uh, to uh, proceed and to allow uh, the Chinese to capitalize, as you noted, uh, on uh, what should be uh, uh, an apolitical celebration of sport and athleticism uh, rather than uh, what the Chinese uh, Communist Party has uh, essentially uh, turned it into, sadly. A, a propaganda windfall. Um, Brad Thayer, we are out of time, I'm sorry to say, far before we are out of things to talk with you about. I hope you'll come back to us soon for a, a longer visit, if possible. It's uh, such important work you're about. Um, we appreciate um, your colleague and your co-author, Lian Chao Han. Well. Yes, absolutely, Frank. My pleasure. Happy to happy to Great to, uh, great to talk with you, and we will do it again soon. Thank you, my friend. Next up, we'll speak with John Guandolo about the backstory to the Colleyville Synagogue hostage-taking, what it was really about, and what it means for all of us. That and more straight ahead. <laughs> 